Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting 116 miles to my southwest, wearing her... What's branding us on that? Garden of the Gods, baby. Oh, Un- Garden of the Gods, yeah. Unrelated to wrestling in yeah. any way. Yeah, uh, it's Megan. Megan, hi. Hello. I think I knew you had that Garden of the Gods hoodie. I'm jealous of it, because... A, it's a cool design. The Garden of the Gods is just like a great sounding thing. And having also been there, I uh, am jealous that you've recently been there. I agree with all these points. I mean, I'm not jealous that I've recently been there because it was me being there. But uh, it is a cool shirt, cool logo, very subtle, and uh, it's a cool place to visit. Highly recommend if anybody needs a vacation spot. Yeah. Colorado Springs area is very cool. Um, there's also um, nearby Manitou Springs. Um, the, have you been there? Did you guys go there when you got on your trip? Uh, we didn't, but I feel like that name came up. Somebody talked about it at the wedding. Um, but they I was with like, a bunch of people who live in Colorado. Oh, yeah. They have <laughs> a uh, sick, uh, I hope they still have it. It's like a Penny Arcade. Um, it's like kind of like turn of the century like mechanical games oh, and stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. And like when I was there, they also had some more modern stuff mixed in, but uh, there was, there was a Superman pinball machine from like the 1970s that um, was like six plays for a quarter or something like that. So what? Yeah. Okay. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty Damn. yeah. So that was fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Call, yeah. I'd, I'd love to get back to that area sometime. It's nice. Uh, it does. Elevation's a killer, man. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Wonder, wonder what kind of wine they have in that region. Oh, if only we had our third host here. She probably knows. She, she probably doesn't, she doesn't know what Colorado wine's going on. <laughs> she would pretend. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. Um. Speaking of. Uh, let's get into it. The elite beat pop of the week. Uh, we start this week in Columbus. Um, and I am, oh, I'm sorry. I'm pulling a Megan. We start this week in Westerville, uh, and, uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with me, with <laughs> diet Pepsi. I feel attacked. <laughs> like, I don't what know do where you, you live, but I do know where you live. What do you have, uh, for us in the greater Cincinnati area, Megan? Okay. Uh, you're going to turn your nose up at it, but I've got Woodford Reserve Kentucky Bourbon. Oh, okay. Like a Kentucky gentleman. That's the sound the cork makes. It's not full because I already opened it, but I thought, you know, it's a sipper tonight. We're going to go with a sipper. Now, do you like that more or less than the uh, Four Roses small batch? Um... You know, it's been it's been a decent enough time since I had that that it's it's hard for me to compare, but I I like it. Um, we had this Woodford when we went on the girls' trip to Louisville. I get Lexington and Louisville confused, but I think it was Louisville. Okay, and uh, we did some bourbon tastings, so I decided to go with that this this time around. There was, I forget, I already forget the name of it, but, uh, I, you know, I think I mentioned to you, I don't know if this was on the air or off, but uh, talking about how 
because we didn't do a show last week. Um, right. Uh, or at least we didn't do one on our normal day last week. We did it earlier in the week. Um, but we were gearing up for, like, to have friends come over, neighborhood friends come over for dinner. And um, the gentleman of the couple, uh, because they are a, uh, a straight cis couple, uh, brought a host gift to me uh, was a bottle of whiskey. And I very graciously accepted it and then thought, who am I going to give this to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, thankfully, the next weekend, our uh, mutual friend Jason came into town and with his wife and, and two uh, little darling children. And over the course of a couple of hours, he drank that entire bottle and he was very wow. drunk by the end of the night. <laughs> That's a lot of whiskey. Yeah, but I just I just can't do it. I just don't like it. I I think it's a it's a very yeah acquired taste, and I don't I don't mean that in an elite way. I mean it in like a I had to do the tastings with our with our friend Lori, who was on, you know. Yeah. who visited who was on the trip with us um who kind of exposed us to it before i kind of got the taste for it but i don't know it's a nice it's a nice like cold weather drink for me it like warms warms the insides yeah i just see that's that's it's a, it's a sign of someone who doesn't you know know you yet that they would bring me a <laughs> bottle of whiskey instead of like you know a bottle of wine I'd i'd, I'd love to have a like a surprise bottle of wine to try, but uh, maybe next time. Maybe. Well, hey, you got to entertain the next week, and it didn't go to waste. It would have been worse if you were like, "Thank you," and then you just shoved it in the back of your cabinet and never looked at it. That, I mean, yes, that's true. I'm glad. I'm glad that it got it got some use out of it. Um, I did have um a shot of Gentleman Jack a few Withens past. Uh, I don't know, back in the summertime. And uh, that was not the worst thing I've ever tasted, but it was like I, I felt a lot of pressure to take the shots. <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it, that person was there, and I think it may have directly resulted in him thinking that I like whiskey. So, oh yeah, what are you supposed to do? Shot pressure at like yeah. a, a neighborhood event? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you are the bravest person I know because you began to reject shot pressure at. Like as early as like 25 years old, <laughs> you, were just, oh. you were just done with it. My body was like, no, thank you. <laughs> you want to puke? And the answer for me is always no. So. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Well, so Megan, I think that we haven't talked about this beforehand, but I, I'm thinking we might need to reorder the show tonight Uh-oh. because all I want to talk about is Dangerous Breed. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. So so just so everyone knows, this is the Elite Beat Plug of the Week. Um, <laughs> Megan and I have both watched this three-part documentary on uh, Peacock, um, which I found out they also put part one on the air after Raw on Monday, which is weird. Um, well, like, apparently WWE had a hand in producing this. Oh, should I call into question everything I've learned in this documentary? I don't know. I don't know. But I think, you know, I mean, they, at the very least, they supplied footage because we saw all kinds of, you know, archival footage of 
uh, Teddy Hart when he was in developmental and stuff. But um, I was a little like, I, I, I guess I'm not surprised that they didn't interview his family members, though, because they probably wouldn't want to be on anything like this. After seeing it, I would think no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, OK, so for those who don't know, uh, Dangerous Breed is a three-part docuseries done in kind of like a true crime style uh, about professional wrestler and Persian cat breeder Teddy Hart. <laughs> I just can't. Can you really call him a breeder? I feel like what he does is he just, like, buys cats and then, like, lets them run wild in the house. And when kittens come, he's like, yep, I bred that, like. With purpose. I mean, isn't that breeding? <laughs> maybe maybe I'm, there's a distinction I'm not aware of or something. But I think you generally select for for quality. You you pick you put together two um animals mm-hmm. uh, with qualities that you want to you know perpetuate. Is this what think... is this what they call animal husbandry? Um. Or is that a different thing? I don't think so but maybe i don't know i just know that like when you're trying when you're actually purposefully breeding animals but be it dogs cats whatever Mm -hmm. um like you put thought into the the traits of the the animals you're breeding whereas i think teddy hart was like i've got a hundred cats in my house sometimes kittens show up and and then like went with it that's just my judgment call from the outside having seen this whole documentary but he knows the name of everyone (laughs) Every uh, what did he say? I know the name of everyone, every each hundred cat or like each of the hundred, some ludicrous number that like you shouldn't have that many cats in one place unless you're like a cat rescue. <laughs> so the ba- so the basic story is this Canadian um, like guy pretty fresh out of film school hadn't even really figured out what he wanted to do as far as like he, he wanted to work in television, um, I, I guess is the thing. So he he heard about Teddy Hart and he thought, well, this might be interesting. So he went to Teddy Hart's house and he just started filming. And Teddy Hart is, you know, he's an egomaniac. So of course he wanted somebody around him filming all the time. Can I ask, like, I've only seen Teddy Hart, I believe in wrestling society X. And so not like, I wouldn't say I have a full well-rounded picture of him prior to this um did you kind of know he was this much of an egomaniac going in like because it's it's, a, it's like a new level for me like he is he is up there as far as people who like being filmed um i guess i i guess i didn't know that he was like so much of an egomaniac i knew that he well i don't know like i just kind of like figure all like, like when you're an independent wrestler and you have like really outsized personality, I think I think a lot of that gets excused as like, oh, he's just hustling, trying to like, you know, make it. Um, yeah, maybe. So that's... I knew. So I knew he was like very. I, I knew about the cats and I knew about the like, like he would. He was like trying to train cats to walk and stuff like that. He was. He's trying to train cats to like do high spots. I think was, they, which they didn't get into in the documentary. But that <laughs> oh was one God. of his like. That was one of his uh, big projects at one point in time. So I knew about, like, and I knew about, I think I had heard about, like, the harem, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. And, like, he was, like, one of those kind of guys. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I did, I was aware of 
the whole Samantha Fiddler thing, not in the great detail, but I, I like I, you know, I think I told you I knew kind of like high level what yeah. was going on there. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so this Canadian filmmaker, he comes and just starts shooting at Teddy's house and, and it's like, he's got his, he's got his wife. He's got his, uh, supposed live in girlfriend who I think we later or something like that. Um, yeah, I feel like it was like, Hey, you're here. Do you want to be on a show? And she was like, yeah, I'll be Teddy's girlfriend for this show. Sure. Yeah. Um, so like there's this whole, like, it's like, there's just like deceit and facade at every, in every nook and cranny of his life. And, and he's got the cats and, and that's, that's his big thing. And like, and he just, he's obsessed with like making a comeback to wrestling to like make it getting a big break because, you know, they didn't, they didn't say this in the documentary. They, they said that he was the, the youngest person to ever be signed to WWE and the youngest person to ever be fired by WWE. Which, and both of those may be true, but they did not mention that he had a second stint in WWE developmental, like, Oh, several years man. later. Yeah. It was either like right before or right after wrestling society X. Um, but, and he like, he almost made it to TV as like the, like the, the heart dynasty it was going to be. And it was, it was him and TJ and Natty and Harry Smith. And he again, ended up getting fired because he's like, as they said, as, as the quote came up, he is uncoachable. <laughs> and uh and then so this, they still went ahead with the group they just it was three instead of four but like um, in fcw they there was like a whole like heart dynasty run with teddy hart as part of it uh, yes i remember you telling me that he and tj were tag team partners mm-hmm. in fcw um i just i can't get over the criticism of like he's just unco like uncoachable is <laughs> we can't spend time on him even though he's a heart, even though he is like family, like legacy, just uncoachable. Even Can't though he's like obviously insanely physically talented. Yeah, he does smoke a lot of weed, though. I don't think he could ever pass a test as far as that's concerned. He was because no. he was just he had a blunt in his hand in almost every scene of this documentary. Just did not care. I mean, they're shopping this shit around to like network televisions is what I would think the plan would be. Uh, as we find yeah. out, like nobody really cares. Um, but yeah, he's just Swede, twenty four seven baby. So he goes on to do an indie date in Texas, and all of a sudden, his wife and girlfriend go to the police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, in fact, <laughs> and uh, press charges against him for like well, like false imprisonment and sexual assault and and uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they said like basically like they said he took their uh, and this comes up later again too. He took like their passports and like um, basically made it so they couldn't go anywhere without him. He's very controlled. It was it's very like bog standard like abusive relationship, except you know. Obviously, nobody knew what was going on, which I guess that is pretty standard, too. Um, he was good at hiding it. But, yeah, he made it so, like, they couldn't leave or, like, run from him, essentially, um, which is dark. But, yeah, they they teamed up and went to the RCMP, which always makes me laugh because I just picture, like, a Mountie. Um, but surprisingly, they, like, they helped them, which is 
I don't know. Yeah. Not standard. <laughs> so so Teddy's in Texas while this happens. Um, he finds out about it, and so he just stays in Texas. And he uh, then ruins the life of another young woman, uh, an aspiring wrestler named uh, Machiko. And our uh, documentary and friend kind of catches up with Teddy a few months later, and he's he's he has completely taken over this woman's life. Um, and it the the we the really like amazing thing is they he talks to Machiko, the documentarian does, and I, I can't I'm, I should probably look up his name because I I um because I can't uh I can't just keep saying the documentarian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember his name off the top of my head either, though, honestly. Fred, Frederick Kreich. OK, okay. so Frederick, you know, he's talking to Machiko and he's like, you know, how do you like how do you how can basically how can you be with him when he has all these charges against him? And she's just like, because they're not true, because like I would know because you can you know, you can sense, you know, like people you have a sense of people and then like cut to. I assume very shortly thereafter, um, like they're at a hibachi restaurant and they have this this weird argument and uh, it leads to them going outside and him threatening to put her to sleep um, and making it very clear that he's done it several times before uh, and basically saying, if the camera wasn't here, you would be asleep right now. And then he and, turns to the camera guy and is like, turn the camera off. Which yeah. Is, no. Yeah. Yeah. So so Frederick convinces Teddy that he should go face the music up in up in Canada. And like I'm not I still to this point I I like even 2 days later after watching this I'm just thinking like why did Teddy do that? Like why did no, why did he just stay? I have no idea. I was thinking the same thing cuz it's like what could the do- what could Fred have said to him like to convince him because he's so yeah. self interested and and you know out to like survive and not go to jail the fact that he just was like okay and then just yeah. went to camp like I I couldn't believe that part so he and Machiko and Fred go back to Canada and uh, she gets turned away at the border because she has an assault charge on her which they they said something about she defended herself in a fight, but there, who knows what the hell happened with, you know, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's impossible to tell <laughs> if these people are telling the truth or not. But, um, so he gets arrested, Teddy gets arrested at the airport and he's back on the street bailed out. Like, I guess a few days later or a few weeks later or something like that. He's not in there for too long. And, and it really like, the next the next stage is he's he he goes and hangs out with a friend and he goes and stays at a friend's house who then we like learn like he had just met the guy and like they 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 presented it as like this was like an old friend of the Hart family but then it turns out he had just met this guy and this is a weird guy um yeah. but but it's just like there's this pattern of Teddy just being able to insinuate himself into the lives of other people and just he 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 has an ability to just like get in you know yeah which again i don't fully get because he seems 
so annoying. Like, he just seems loud and, like, he has to be the center of attention. And, like, it take like, it would just be emotionally very exhausting to deal with him is what I think. But yeah. So I, he finds people. <laughs> he finds people that yeah. love that, I guess. I yeah, because so when he was young, I guess you could say like, well, if I hitch my wagon to him, like this guy has like all this potential. He's going to be a superstar in wrestling. Like I can kind of get that a little bit why you'd let him kind of use you because you think there might be something in it for you. But you know, we're we're well past the <laughs> the point of like you know, Teddy Hart going to be like a top wrestling superstar ever time now. And he's still doing it. He's still able to do it. Um, and, you know, we saw footage um, because one of the things that happened, which skipping ahead just a little bit, but like when the, when the trial was going to about to happen, um, his wife, who I don't, I guess I don't think they were actually married. Like that's the sense I got. I, yeah. Like legally, I don't, I feel like, no, <laughs> like they, I yeah. think she said she was, but like at one point in her interview, didn't she say like, no, didn't she confirm they never actually signed papers? I don't remember. I just know that when, um, when they were talking about, when they would talk to her later, her, her lower third would say like ex-partner instead of ex-wife. Okay. Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a 2022 thing, and not not a maybe maybe you make that uh, maybe that's I don't know. But anyway, um, any okay. So <laughs> I'm sorry. We're just kind of like, but okay. But she introduced all these videotapes or these hard drives that she had of home movies of like early in her and Teddy's relationship, and right from the start, he's basically doing that thing. Where he's like saying like, well, if you're kicking me out of the house, you're basically killing me, like, oh my you know, God. Like, like that kind of like guilting someone by like essentially threatening suicide. Um, uh, yeah, it's emotional manipulation and it's yeah, bullshit. Yeah, and she's very nice, so I, you know, I can see why she would be concerned, but man, like what a dick, I, Teddy Hart. What a fucking piece of shit is what I took from this documentary. But yes, she she has all that stuff, which good for her for like. So but but it's just another example of like him using his like his charisma or whatever it is, his magnetism to just to like kind of worm his way into people's lives and like completely take them over because she was very wealthy or at least seemed like she was pretty well off. And and I think that, you know, that's the kind of person he targets. Yeah, because didn't she say she, like, invested, because uh, at one point, I think his pitch was like, oh, well, we'll, like, we'll go into business together, too. And so she, like, spent a lot of money in, quote, unquote, investing in him. And then they became romantically, like, partnered. And then it got bad. And so she she not only, like, was basically physically and emotionally abused, she also lost, I want to say, thousands of dollars just oh would have to yeah putting up with like his stupid like plans and and like him spending her money left and right because he doesn't work like no. he does indie shows but he he was like driving on jaguars and shit like he he was not making the money that he was spending no and i'm sure that he was like a well-paid indie wrestler because he has a name but i mean that's not you know i i i don't think he was ever a like 
out there every single weekend, like Matt Cardona style hustling kind of kind of indie wrestler, you know? Like, right. Right. And this yeah. was not the time like this was long enough ago that like, you know, only the Indies were not what they became a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. Like people weren't like, OK, WWE, uh, I'm out because I need to go make money on the Indies and I'm not going to feel pain from that. Like the Indies were yeah. rough back at this time. Yes. So. So, anyway, yeah. So he gets out on bail. He finds another Mark, Samantha Fiddler, <sighs> this poor woman. Uh, who's up in Canada. He gets her to move to Orlando with him um, where they train, uh, they, they, they get her training at Chase and Rance's school. The team did vision dojo and Chase and Rance, a uh, like confirmed sex pest. Um, and his so, whole segment where he's like, we don't do erotic like things. Oh, our... custom, yeah, you make custom videos like that's And that's like part of the expectation if you work there, apparently, or if you, you know, train there anyway. So long story short, Samantha Filler disappears and she's been missing for like what, five years now, six years. Yeah. She, like November, 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and this whole, so like this whole documentary, like the filmmaker, Frederick, he's just like, it seems to be him just kind of, grappling with like what part did i play in this like can can we get any kind of resolution here can we make the can we get something good out of this and teddy hart is just like the most unwilling like (laughs) like he doesn't he doesn't want to engage with it at all which makes him seem suspicious but i have to tell you megan and I'm, i'm very curious to hear what you feel about this i don't think he murdered her uh no i agree i don't think he murdered her I do think that, like, I think Fred said it well, and I agreed with him, where it's like, he didn't murder her, but he did everything to take away, like, her ability to to do anything. Like, she's a Canadian living in Florida. He took her passport. He, like, cut her off from friends and family. This is classic abuser stuff. And he left her with only him to rely on. And so when she tried to get out, she couldn't. Something, I think something happened to her. Um, which is unfortunate because she clearly has a family. She has like two daughters and a sister who's just devastated by the, like she had a support system in Canada, um, but she could not get back there. And it was because of what Teddy Hart did. And I think it's shady as hell that he refuses to engage in it because not because I think he's guilty, but just because it's like he, (laughs) he didn't just like, step back and say no comment he insulted her abilities he lied about their relationship he actively is fighting against like the documentarian fred he starts to be like well maybe we can use this to like help find her get her get her name out there get the word out and teddy's like oh is this what this is going to be about because that's not what i want like this is about me and like i don't want to engage or do anything like that and it's just like you piece of shit you are the like the worst human garbage you can't even like put the spotlight on her for a second and i did love fred his editing skills where like teddy is like yeah we were never like in a relationship it was not like that and then he cuts to like earlier footage he had where they're like talking about how they're in a relationship and he's like uh yeah i never hurt a woman ever in my life i would never and he cuts to like earlier footage of like him basically fighting with machiko in the restaurant talking about how he's gonna beat her up and it's just like yes fred you got receipts and you show them but like i think teddy hart his unwillingness to help at all is just bullshit. He's such a piece of shit. So awful. 
Yeah. Um, totally compelling documentary. I think I, I mentioned to you because I, I finished it before you did because I'm a fucking lunatic and I stayed up <laughs> until like 1 a.m. on Tuesday <laughs> night to, to finish watching it. But um, I think like part three was the weakest. And I think it's because there was like there really wasn't any resolution. You know, it's like which I think is probably often the case with these kinds. Of, I mean, you would you would know better than I with this true crime stuff. But uh, I was yeah, I was I thought it was kind of interesting that you said that because i'm like well this is where we go from um sort of true crime but also like a big focus on teddy hart being a wrestler to like this is the true crime portion i'm like i like this stuff uh and i'm used to having those like watching things with no resolution because um it should be said that uh she samantha fiddler is of cree uh descent like which is um an indigenous like people in canada yeah, First Nation, and um, she is, like, one of many, like, statistically missing and murdered women, uh, indigenous women. It's, like, a huge problem in Canada, and so that is just, like, an extra little spin on it, where, like, even even in the U.S., like, we don't care about the this uh, class of people, but um, it should be put out there, because that's important, too. Uh, but, yeah, like, this is everything about that third part was like i've seen this on tons of other true crime things the the like pattern of abuse um and that sort of thing and her disappearing and it's just like the only the only thing that really sets it apart is just truly how much of a asshole teddy hart is and how much he's willing to be on camera and flaunt it and the poor documentarian you can tell he just wants to do good but he's just emotionally struggling because he's dealing with teddy hart who sucks so hard so hard and i cannot believe that natty and tj (laughs) like i i'm so curious what like you you had said like you want to know what natty and tj think of this documentary i am dying to hear their thoughts i i am so curious about like how the family dynamic is with teddy hart in the mix because i'm sure the hart family is not like hyped about his image and what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that's, I mean, I'm sure we'll hear from Teddy Hart again, but I I can't imagine that he's going to, well, he was already not getting booked by any, by any real promotion. So it's probably really not going to be much of a difference on him. No. And isn't he currently in jail for something else? (laughs) Didn't isn't he doing jail time for I feel like probably some sort of physical violence? Um, I don't know, and that's the only thing we mentioned. Like, yeah, he got he uh, like they they threw out the they didn't even go to trial, right? The thing with the charges against him in Canada, at least yeah. those those charges. So yeah, he he got away scot free on that. Um, which, as his father said, you know, people. Like what is like the only people who don't go to jail are the ones who have the money for a good lawyer. Yes. Which I love that his father was like, not on his, his father was just like, Nope, he's an idiot. What a, I have so much empathy for parents in those situations. Like the ones who aren't like all like, like no way my son would never do that. But the ones who are like very clearly conflicted because I mean, how can you imagine like just like what are you gonna do like wanting to protect your child but also having a moral compass where it's like 
uh oh, you you may have done something really bad. Yeah. Um, I can tell you from watching other true crime things, there's quite a spectrum of parents and how <laughs> they treat that scenario. But I think I'd be on the end of like, I think I have to like tell on you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think because if you're a parent and your kid does something and kills or harms somebody else's kid, like, don't you also have that that like empathy to be to put yourself in their position is what i i would assume probably i've i've never been a parent before so i can't say for sure but i i I imagine that's probably the case yeah like you you have somewhat of the same perspective if if you're a parent and your kid takes away somebody else's kid i would hope and that's why i never get the parents that are like no my kid didn't do this or even the ones that like go as far as to help shelter or hide their child yeah you are a bad person yeah. Well, I think like the the former is just textbook denial and then the latter is like, yeah, that's like really fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's actively evil. There are some parents like that too though. Um Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's messed up. Yeah. Teddy's Teddy Hart's dad though, surprisingly logical, rational and um appropriately disappointed in the fact that his son's a total asshole. And clearly like grappling with it. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah, so uh, I would I would say highly recommend Dangerous Breed uh, on on you can catch it on Peacock all three parts. It's about what like the thickest is like part one was forty five and the second and third parts were about an hour long. So it'll yeah. it'll take you it'll it'll, it'll do it's a good chunk of time do it in two hours forty five minutes but uh, but well worth the watch especially if you're like inclined to you know watch things about wrestling and there's not much wrestling in it so the first part the first whole i guess episode is probably the heaviest with it. they show a lot of Ed teddy hart doing wrestling things and mm-hmm. uh as someone who again had very little exposure to teddy hart like you texted me and said four minutes in you're going to be hooked and i was like four minutes in what the hell is going on with this dude <laughs> he is cuckoo bananas and then it got dark but um initially i was like is this gonna be our villain because he seems like just an idiot <laughs> but yeah. damn yeah, they kept talking to us about like people kept saying like how smart he was because he has like very high IQ and it was just like a good reminder of like like if that's even true but like it is a good reminder that like you know people with very high IQs can be fucking idiots too. <laughs> yeah, there's like that difference between okay maybe you're book smart versus like emotional intelligence. Yeah, or like just common sense stuff. Functioning cause... in society intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't think I saw any proof that Teddy Hart was extremely smart. I saw a lot of proof that he was a big, dumb idiot, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, now we have don't to talk sue about... us, Teddy Hart. <laughs> now we have to talk about Oli wrestling, um, <laughs> uh, of which there was some this week. Although I will say, Megan, uh, you know, like I was like kind of on a Thanksgiving hangover. I never got around to watching uh, Oli wrestling's Rampage uh oh i did this is rampage baby so uh i know you do not take notes on rampage because that's not your responsibility um but i can i can pull up a format and tell you what happened on rampage okay you can tell me like how it was heck yeah um because i did watch it i remember they kept saying uh this afternoon a lot um but i cannot remember yeah, it was like it was a weird. It was like 4 p.m. Uh, airtime because 
that something was going on on TNT later that night. I was yeah, I was I was did not find out the reasoning behind that time switch, but So when did you watch it? I didn't watch it Friday. I watched it like Saturday morning. Oh, okay. I I stuck with my like uh it's my Saturday morning cartoon schedule. That's the that's a good spot for it. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh, we opened apparently with a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Title Match uh, with FTR defending against Top Flight. Yes, that was good. Uh, you know, because it's a good complement of teams where FTR is they are grounded and hit hard, and Top Flight does high spots all over the place. Um, so it was a fun match. Obviously, Top Flight did not win, and no one I think would expect them to necessarily, but it was lighthearted. There was uh, Dante may have gotten his bell rung a little bit in the mm. match, um, but as as like apparently he's okay. Um, okay. There was some concern, like I saw some concern, like for the reports coming out after the taping on Wednesday that uh, that he may have gotten hurt, but looks like he's all right. Oh, the Martin brothers are just like magnets for bad stuff to happen to them. Yeah, seriously. Um, Darby Allen versus Anthony Henry. Uh, that was good. Um, because we rarely see Anthony Henry, but when we do, I always remember, oh yeah, this guy's pretty cool. Like he, he is capable of working, um, fast like Darby. And again, you don't expect him to win, but they put on a good show. He's like, he's, he's not a very big guy either, right? No, he's like, he's, he's muscular, but lean, you know? And he had, um, the other workhorse is, I believe, uh, J.D. Drake, I think. He was J. there. J.D. Drake, the man who was in two stables. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to say um, the uh, wingman, and I was yeah. like, no, that's... But yeah, J.D. Drake yeah. was there. I think he caught him one time when he went on the outside. That's nice. <laughs> um, looks like uh, they made Jericho versus Claudio for Final Battle official. With yep. the stipulation that if Claudio loses, he has to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. Yep, it's such a weird threat. But Claudio agreed to it, so I, gu- I guess he doesn't think it's weird. I guess not, yeah. Um, <laughs> we had Hikaru Shida versus Queen Aminata. Yep, this is a, this is a storyline match where uh, Queen Aminata, she wasn't going to win. No. Um, and like I guess Penelope Ford and the Bunny were were the, the were the storyline portion of it. Yes, the Bunny uh, I think has a dark hold over Penelope Ford, but yeah, they came out and they tried to distract Karashita, and uh, that's my dog going nuts. Um, but yes, they showed up. I kind of forgot the Bunny was a thing. And then uh, our main event of the evening, the Dark Order. Versus Roosh, the Butcher, and the Blade. Uh, okay, so <laughs> what a match. Um, but also like the ending. The ending is where it's at because uh, because because Silver and Reynolds wrestled the whole match them by themselves, right? Because their partner never came out. Yes, even with the part where Mark Henry in, uh, interviews them, he's like, yo, where's Ten? And they were just like, he's around, he'll be here. But they went in without him, and he did not show up until yeah. the very end. And then he did a bad thing, because uh, I guess 
Roosh and uh, and company got to him, um, he betrayed his boys, which is mean. And no. he, <laughs> I think the 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 saddest part, but also the most entertaining for me was, um, he had betrayed them. And then you hear the announce team being like, "Oh no!" And negative one, and negative one is standing at the top of the aisle, uh, looking sad and then 10 goes up to him and he pulls off his mask and hands it to the kid and negative one is just like ah like head and hands looking sad <laughs> and 10 stands over him and just looks like an asshole and then i think they've they go around him and uh give the camera the the middle fingers wow so does that mean that 10 or preston vance unmasked is officially part of la faction and gobernable that's what they said. They called him one of one of them. I cannot say that word, but uh, it, it, I can't. When I read it, I like mess up the N and the G, and it's just bad. But yeah, he's one of them, and I guess he's going to be unmasked for it, which is weird because they too seem to like masks. I mean, Roosh does. Yeah, that's my favorite stable name to say, though. It's it sounds so cool, La Faction Ingobernable. I just have to call him LFI, I think, because I can't say it. I can't the in, in, no, light in, funky incorporated. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Nailed it. Okay. Well, that is uh rampage. Oh, I do want to say like, I know we don't really do much ratings talk and discourse on the show anymore, but I, I, I brought up when they did a very good number a few weeks ago. So I need to bring up when they do a very bad number. And uh, actually last week, when we didn't, when we didn't have a, 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 you know, a dynamite show, they did like a shockingly good Thanksgiving Eve number, like really, really surprisingly good because you know that's such a bad TV night. Yeah, um, the holiday. Historically, so, but last night, I don't know what's going on, and I, I, as usual, I don't, I try not to like derive too much meaning from one week's rating, but. Um, this from Paul Fontaine over WrestlingObserver.com. Wednesday's AEW Dynamite averaged 870,000 viewers on TBS, down just 1.1% from last week's Thank News episode. Um, it's the second lowest Wednesday night audience for the show since June 15th. But here's the, the really bad news. Dynamite drew a .26 rating in the 18-49 demo, down 18.8% from last week. It ties uh, Dynamite's October 18th episode, which was moved to Tuesday, for the lowest rating the show has drawn in that category in 2022. The last Wednesday night episode with a rating lower than this was January 6, 2021, the date of the United States Capitol attack. Um, so, yeah, so, so for a on-its-normal-night, in-its-normal-time-slot Dynamite, this was the lowest 18 to 49 rating they've done since they were head to head with NXT every Wednesday. What do you think is the cause? Cause I didn't, it didn't strike no me as idea. a bad show. I have no idea. I haven't seen the quarter hours yet. Um, like, but that's it's not a, it's not a good sign. <laughs> no, but I'm also so surprised because I don't know. Like I can't think of anything that would indicate, uh Oh, this is not worth watching or maybe there's something that was more important to watch for people maybe i'm coming at it from the wrong angle 
I don't know. I haven't looked at Showbuzz yet. I, I I might as well just do that right now. Look at no, their no, their uh, their their chart isn't even out yet. So we I don't even know what place it was in um, yet. So I don't know. Hard to say. Weird. Yeah. Ugh, but I don't uh, like that. yeah, let's talk about this uh, this poorly viewed dynamite. All right. We watched it. We did. <laughs> I yeah. Yeah, it's from Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, oh, last week's show I thought was fucking awesome. Yeah, the show we didn't cover. But I I thought last week's Dynamite was like one of the best ever. I agree, and I'm a little sad we didn't cover it because, frankly, it was, um, I don't know, it was wild. Yeah, it was better than this show. Yeah, but again, like, this show didn't strike me as, like, bad. Well, let's get into it. All right. Well, okay, so the the opening thing we have going on is um, John Moxley comes out. And he uh, is here to just talk about how, you know, he, he's been to Indianapolis before. He sort of, like, warms up to the crowd because he knows locations and, and things that they're familiar with. They love it. Um, but he's like, there are three certainties in this world, death, taxes, and John Moxley. And he's, he's going to be here. He's going to wrestle. He doesn't give a shit. Um, he does what he wants. And there, he says, there isn't a man in the locker room that can come out and tell me any different. Uh, cue Adam Page. His music hits. The crowd goes wild. Uh, apparently, he hasn't been cleared to wrestle yet, but he's here to get in Moxley's face. And Moxie asks him, are you sure you want to do this uh, after last time? And then just to kind of rub salt in the wound, he he mockingly is like, do you even remember last time? And sort of mimes hitting himself in the head. And Adam um, is enraged by this. So he attacks John Moxley. And uh, the entire security staff has to come out along with all the refs. And they... They separate the two of them. The crowd is not into this. They demand that they let them fight. Um, but they're pulling them away. They, you know, they get Adam up the stage. Poor Moxie. He takes a spill as he tries to, <laughs> tries to run up the side and get him. He sort of falls down. But he recovers quickly and continues his attempt uh, at attacking. Um, I was I was just like, this is just what they need. John Moxley to get injured. <laughs> doing something. Doing some, like, dumb accident spot. <laughs> Just twist that ankle. Uh, yeah. Seems like he's okay. He got because he got right back up. Uh, didn't let him let it stop him. Um, but yes, like after shortly after that attempt, they did manage to separate the two of them, and they both walked out through different tunnels. And I'm assuming this means John Moxley is becoming a heel because Adam's a good boy, and I don't know. John Moxley was mean to him, and the Combat Club is in disarray. <sighs> I don't yeah, I don't even what, know what their official status would be at this point, but it seems like not good. I was glad to see Adam back. Um like the announcers like you know, were saying like, "Oh, he's not even he's not cleared yet. He came to Indianapolis to meet with a doctor to see if he could get cleared." Uh but obviously he's cleared or he wouldn't have they wouldn't have done this angle with him because it was very physical. Yep. Um so I guess we have that match to look forward to in the uh in the near future, which you know, honestly Always sucks to get a concussion. Always sucks to miss a lot of time. But if you remember when they had that match, it was like 
you know, I don't think there was like a direction for Moxley and Hangman coming out of it. So I, I think this kind of worked out for Hangman as far as now he's got like a big feud to come back to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I mean, I like this feud. I think these two are cool fighting with each other. So I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get back to them later. Uh, <laughs> After that scuffle, the first official match of the night happens, and it's Dax Harwood taking on Brian Danielson in a singles match. Um, as he told us last week, Dax has something to prove with this match. He chops, punches, and headbutts Danielson very hard, and and Brian answers in kind. Um, and there are no shenanigans in this match. It's just two guys who have respect for each other. Uh, unfortunately for Dax, Danielson taps him out clean with a label lock. Uh, and then after the match... Danielson like you know points to him and is like you know oh he's a good good dude and he goes to shake his hand and the crowd's feeling the love and then Dax walks past him in a huff and they're like no and then he like he does one of those "Ah, I'm just kidding and he turns around and he he gives Danielson the handshake so I love the respect gave him the gave him the hug shake yeah the the bro pull you in for a hug yeah I thought that was cute yeah I enjoy that stuff. It. That stuff works on me. Me too, especially since they're both like, uh, as far as we know, like the good boys. That they mm-hmm. don't have any reason to hate each other. They just this is respectful. So good for them. Yeah. Really good match. These, I mean, I'm not shocked, but you know, like Brian Danielson and Dax Harwood had a great match, but <laughs> film <They>, at eleven. <laughs> they hit each other so hard. Like Brian's yeah. chest was. It's that gross. Well. You know, we didn't talk about it again because it was last week, but Ugh, I mean, it, no. was not, it was not Tomohiro Ishii, like, like making Chris Jericho leak. <laughs> I was appalled. Appalled. That match, that match ruled so hard. <laughs> I just uh, distinctly remember watching. Because you didn't have picture in picture, right? Because it happened during picture in picture in the U.S. Uh, or did you watch it on? on I watched it on Fight, so I saw it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I saw it. Um, it's just it it boggled my mind because I remember specifically when Eddie Kingston fought Ishii, and they did the same thing that Jenny pointed out. Like, look at that big, like pulsating vein or blood vessel on Ishii, and I don't want to see it burst. And then he he somehow his gross. Bane survived and Jericho's did not. Mm-hmm. I don't like that that's functionally possible, that you can slap a man so hard in his chest that like blood spurts yeah. out. <sighs> okay. Um, gross. So yeah, great match. Good hard hitting. Um after that, uh Tony Schiavone is talking to Ricky Starks. And Ricky, we we know, already has a title shot at Winter is Coming because of his uh, winning that tournament. Um, But he has also decided to enter the Battle Royal next week for a shot at MJF and the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Because next week, that Battle Royal is the one that happens every year that we were questioning uh, a couple weeks back. It is occurring. MJF does not have to take part in it, though, because he's won twice. So I guess the... The stipulation now is whoever like actually wins just gets their shot at MJF at a later date to get that ring. Is this just their like way to keep the the ring on MJF eternally, even though he's world champion now? 
Probably. I mean, realistically, who else deserves the ring? Well, I mean, I just thought like you, you put it back in the pool and let somebody else, you know, have their own thing with it. But I guess it's just so associated with him. You know, it's like his thing now. But it's, like, because he's he's the world champion. He's not going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to lose. Like, the keep ma- keep the belt but yeah. lose the ring. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna beat him before. Because so is that match next week? Is both parts of it next week? Um, the did they say when did they say when the, the, the battle royals next week, but is is he then wrestling the winner right after, or is that later? I don't know if they gave us a def, definite like date for the the later. Okay. But it couldn't be at Winter is Coming because he's got Starks at Winter is Coming, so it'd have to be at the earliest, the like the twenty first. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's happening. You know, keeping the tradition alive. Uh, maybe page for the for the battle royal win because they still have a reason to do page versus mjf yeah and that could hype up like for he and moxley to sort of or no wait sorry ethan page I was thinking yeah sorry page. not yeah um like it ethan page would be good too because then also he, he and ricky have like issues and not that that would directly cause a match between. Well, it could, but like it would further their whole hatred thing because Ricky wants not just the title; he wants the ring. He wants all of the gold that MJF currently has. So it would it would bother him if Ethan Page got in the way of that. Right. Yeah. We could see it. We could see it. Um, he will. They'll both come up later, but for now, somewhere backstage. The camera crew is following Adam Page as he's presumably like leaving, and John Moxley finds him and just tries to kill him again. Uh, they have to be separated from by security once again, and this results in them officially getting thrown out of the arena. They are not allowed in the building. They are gone. Yes. They, uh, this was kind of, I think I texted you at this point and asked you if you were watching the show and you were not yet watching it because I think you didn't watch it till today. But, um, I, cause I think, I think you, your priority was to, uh, finish up Dangerous Breed, <laughs> which I, which I understand. It's true. Um, but I, this reminded me of that, um, post SummerSlam episode of Raw with Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Oh yeah. That was so funny. Yeah, really just like, except I think for them, I think it happened like in three different segments instead of just two. Yeah, and they were all like, they escalated in just complete, like the lunacy level because Brock, it took like many men to believably hold Brock back from The Undertaker. It was like one of the few things I liked Brock Lesnar in. Yeah, but yeah. Very fun. Um, we won't be getting any more segments though because uh, they're gone. They're gone from the building. Um, but while this is happening, John Moxley's wife Renee is actually in Nashville, where she's having a sit-down interview with Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Daddy Magic, Cool Hand, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta. It's quite a room, and she. Did they explain why she was in, why they were all in? No. Just they were having a sit down interview in Nashville. 
Weird. Okay. Yeah, I I was not sure why. I I I wondered if part of it was like, well, if your husband's gonna lose his mind and get escorted out of the building, maybe you have to be somewhere else. Um, but I don't know. She does say that everyone here has agreed to no physicality, which is great because there's a lot of hot-headed dudes in this room. Um, the JAS side of this have lots of ideas for Claudia's sports entertainer persona that he'll definitely be adopting after he loses to Jericho at ROH's final battle pay-per-view. Uh, Hager actually busts out an identical purple bucket hat and is like, hey, buddy, <laughs> like, come into the fold. Um, Claudio hates all of this. Uh, the interview immediately devolves into chaos because he gets up from his chair he yells some stuff i think some stuff in swedish not swedish is not a language um <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you, yes it is is it did i get yes, that wrong but he's but he's swiss he's not swedish oh my gosh i'm i'm all over wrong here yes well he he yells some stuff and i couldn't tell if he was just mad and his accent was like like making it so I didn't understand the English or if he fully went native tongue, but um, he, he throws his metal chair on the ground and he storms out. And uh, JS is just like, so amused by this. They love what they've done here. Um, Daniel Garcia then starts laughing about how the BCC is falling apart. And Wheeler Yuta gets really mad about that. So Garcia proposes a tag match between he and Hager against Claudio and, and Yuta. And Claudio's not there to agree, but Yuta's like, yeah, we'll do that. And then he also, Yuta also says, like, I want that ROH Pure Championship back, and I'll see you at Final Battle to get it. And Garcia's like, sure, why not? So we got two matches set, one for next week on Dynamite, one for ROH's pay-per-view Final Battle. Mm-hmm. I think... um. I think I saw that Athena versus Mercedes Martinez was made official for that show today as well. Oh yeah, okay. That that happened. That was something that came up on Rampage. I think Athena was pissed because uh, she got quote unquote fined for knocking our Aubrey down in the ring, punching mm. her or whatever. So I like it. We'll see. Um, but after that, we have a match here on this show. Ar Fox is going up against Samojo in the in Joe's open challenge for the TNT championship. Um AR Fox is pretty cool. Like he does a lot of high flying stuff that I think isn't isn't like very neat. And Joe's a great base for it, but I don't think it's any surprise that Joe wins. He does a muscle buster and just pins that man. I I, I had a lot of this is basically a squash, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Um like any like my favorite spot in the world is the Samoa Joe casually walk away while someone's trying to do a high flying move. Um which he did twice in this, but like it backfired the first time, but uh which was which was a nice switch up on it too. But um it's it's crazy to me that, you know, we talked about it a few weeks, you know, a couple episodes ago with AR Fox. He's thirty five years old, he's been in the business for fifteen years, and he's this is like the first time he's getting any kind of real break. Um on like in a major promotion and it's just like what and and he's great but it just makes you think like man what if he was what if he had had this kind of platform 10 years ago 
Yeah, because he seems super talented. I'm actually really surprised that this is kind of his big break. Um, but they yeah. did sign him, they said. So he's on the roster. Yes, he is all elite, yeah. Which, uh, good for him. I hope he can he can make the most out of it now. He looks great. He seems really talented. I don't know. I hope he doesn't just get relegated to dark and stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, after the match itself, Wardlow pops up on the big screen to let Joe know that he's coming after what uh what he deems his, which is the TNT title that Joe took from him. So he will be he'll be coming for him in the future. So maybe they won't be doing Joe versus Wardlow at the Ring of Honor pay per view after all, because you're right, he still seems like focused more on the TNT title. Yeah, I'm kind of like Wardlow. Why don't you just get both of them? You know, I do like how, like, I do like that. You know, between TNT and TV, Joe is like now just kind of proclaiming himself the king of television or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he says uh, there's going to be a new and glorious era, era because he is the one true king of television. To which I say, it's uh, quite a claim, sir. But <laughs> run with it. So Joe, uh, Joe kind of looks like. A little worried that Wardlow's going to show up, but um, no, Wardlow just stays in the back. He's he's dressed in street clothes. He's not here to fight. So after that, we get a video tease of kind of what direction Powerhouse Hobbs is going to go in. Um, I love this. It's <laughs> it's set in Oakland, and we see some dudes playing craps on the street, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Walks past them in street clothes, like he's not a wrestler. He's he's just a dude, and he sort of menaces them as he does. And they're like, "Who the hell is that?" They all look very shocked and a little worried. Um, but in a voiceover, Powerhouse tells us he's he's taking what belongs to him, and he walks into was it a laundromat? I wasn't quite sure where he was walking into. It could have been a laundromat. But it was a to be continued kind of thing, and I just I loved I just loved the look of this. It reminded me of it made me wonder who produced this because it looked it made me think of the the Ruby Soho like the pre Ruby Soho like the runaway vignettes that she did mm. like a three she did like three videos leading up to her debut at All Out last year, and also it kind of reminded me of it. I don't know if I because I know I showed you the runaway videos or I sent you links to them. I don't know. Yeah. If you them, but, yeah. Um, but Stokely Hathaway also did something similar between NXT and WWE and uh, AEW. So, and, and they, and they kind of, they had the same vibe as this. So I kind of wonder if maybe the, they had the same people work. So the same person working on them. Okay. Yeah. I saw the Ruby Soho ones that you sent me. I don't think I saw Stokely Hathaway's. Um, Which by but, the way, great guest on the sessions last week. I have not heard it yet. Um, yeah. He seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, uh, Powerhouse Hops, we will learn more about what he's doing in Oakland, California, I guess, maybe next show. Uh, when we come back, we get a really quick, um, ta- I forget what his segment used to be called, but Taz, you know, he breaks down the moves. Techniques by Taz. Yes, okay. He uh, he is analyzing Hook and his win over Lee Moriarty last week. He, I think he touches on a lot of the moves Hook did, and he ends with, you know, talking about how he got him with the red room. So Taz is still out there analyzing things, you know, being Taz. Mm-hmm. 
after that, we have a segment where William Regal walks out to the ring. He knows he's safe because John Moxley has been removed from the building at this point, and he is here to introduce MJF to the crowd. Uh, MJF takes his time walking out. He pauses <laughs> to throw his chewing gum at a child who I believe was flicking him off um, along with her father. So good influences. Uh, and then when he gets to the ring, he's like, all right, well, you guys probably want to know how me and Regal got together. Uh, apparently Regal sent MJF an email after the firm attacked him that one week. And he offered to help MJF realize his potential and become the villain he was meant to be. Uh, he said Regal gave him the brass knuckles at full gear to use so that Moxley knew he had been outsmarted by MJF specifically. Like, he didn't use the ring. He used those brass knucks. Um, as far as the firm, MJF is kind of eh on, on them, I believe is what he says. Like, literally just makes the sound eh. He says chasing them down would take effort, and he's above that. So I guess he he's not going to hold a grudge. He's just going to let that ride. Um, what he will not stand for, though is the AEW World Championship belt in its current form. He says it's garbage. He says looking at it reminds him of all the people that have had it before him, which he doesn't like. And he's decided to create a new model uh, that he's going to reveal to us right now. So he he pulls this uh, felt cover off this the stand that has been behind him and Regal the whole time. And he reveals the new big Burberry belt, the BBB, <laughs> which is um, kind of ugly. And <laughs> I think that's the point, he's, but still he's doing, he's doing, he's doing what he can to get, to get uh, booed, you know, <laughs> like he's, he's having to work hard at it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. I mean, he threw gum at a child. That's really mean. Although when Chuck Taylor did it, I thought it was pretty funny. So I don't, Maybe I have calibration issues on that. Um, but yeah, so he's got this big Burberry belt and he takes this opportunity to say he's the only one worthy of it. He calls Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks fake tough guys and says they'll never get it. He also says the loser like Brian Danielson isn't going to get it. Um, to which he looks at Regal and is like, I know you used to be your dude, but like he sucks. <laughs> and uh and then he says his message for everyone on the roster and in the company is that he will be on top with this stupid looking belt until the bidding war of 2024, where, you know, two cons are going to go after him and he's uh, waiting for old St. Nick is what he says. And then he teases, maybe Hollywood will actually be the winner of that bidding war. Maybe I'll just leave. So cool guy, cool guy. Um, he tries to turn on his fans. He says the ones who stuck with him and are cheering for him are fickle and that they'll just start complaining he's boring and never wrestles eventually, which is fine because he plans to defend the title very rarely and wrestle very rarely because he's a special attraction and people have to pay to see him. So pay-per-views only, kids. <laughs> which is like, I, I he's, he's so good, but also like, I just want to punch him. He's got such a punchable face. If, At they're this gonna, point, or, if they're gonna pull that off, they're going to have to make one of the other titles really strong, so it can so it can like carry television basically. Yeah. Like if 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 the world title is gonna be like 
for the most part, a pay-per-view only belt, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Um, they're going to really have to beef up like the TNT title or something. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of them to choose from. Yeah, true. So, and I, I can't say that not seeing MJF wrestle every week is going to be that big of a change, you know? No, but it is going to be a change, like having like a, a world champion who's not wrestling frequently. True. But I'm sure he'll find ways to, you know, be around and be an asshole. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, but at this point, Regal, like, I don't know, Regal didn't look totally hyped about everything, but whatever. No, you can kind of see him, like, slowly, like, realizing that he'd made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I've made a huge mistake. Um <laughs> But he doesn't say anything. Uh, and then MJF pulls out the brass knuckles and is like, I couldn't have done this without you, Regal. Like, you're great. He hypes him a lot. He, As he's doing this, he slowly walks around him to behind him. And before he knows what's coming, William Regal gets clocked in the back of the neck, which is a particularly bad spot for him because he's had... Uh, a few neck surgeries and also like head injuries um the the announced team makes a they they run down the list to make sure we know um but as regal's down on the ground mjf gets in his face and starts quoting regal's original bitchy email back to him about how like uh you know keep working and you'll make it um and then he leaves and the doctors, Doc Sampson runs out, and then Brian Danielson runs out. He's, like, disheveled and only has one shoe on because he was, the implication is he was kind of getting dressed after his match. Um, Regal gets taken out on a stretcher. He's not moving. And there's a commercial break, but when we come back from it, uh, Regal is being loaded into an ambulance, and Danielson hops in to join him to go to the hospital. So, not looking great for William Regal. He should not be surprised, though, because MJF's an asshole. I... Regal, go back to your sons. So uh, friend of the friend of the show, Alan Cunahan, uh, often live tweets during Dynamite. Uh, and he had a couple of good observations, I thought, about this particular segment. Uh, the first of which was, uh, before the attack, uh, nice of MJF to lay out six months of programs for us. Good to have things to look forward to, which, you know, what you kind of was doing with, you know, talking about Starks and and uh, the firm and he Kingston and, and finally Danielson. And then after the angle, he said, what a great angle. Danielson with one boot was proper territory stuff. Details matter for me. And uh, which, of course, Brian Danielson was only the, the idea is, I guess, that, you know, he was. He found out this was happening as he was undressing and uh, getting changed, and he he didn't take the time to take off the other boot or put on the other, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. There was something really sad about his, like, one little barefoot out there while his friend oh, was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was dramatic. If they have the – if they if they give proper runway to things like an Eddie Kingston feud – and I don't know what else you do to fill time, but because it seems like Starks is probably going to be a one and done type match. Um, mm-hmm. But I do wonder if they can stretch Danielson versus MJF all the way to Revolution in March. I think they could. 
You know, especially since MJF is pretty much like, I'm not going to wrestle. (laughs) Right. You know. Right. They have to, yeah. Brian has to figure that out. Which, you know, he's a smart guy. I think he He's could he could get up to some shit. Um, I agree. Um, so I don't necessarily have news, but I have a lot of speculation about the aftermath of this. Okay. Um, in fact, this uh, WrestlingObserver.com article by Josh Nason uh, titled Speculation Continues Regarding William Regal's Future in AEW. Now, I think we talked last time about the potential for Regal leaving. Yeah, because his friend is in charge of the company now. Yeah, and though we did not talk about last week's Dynamite, you know, there was like a pretty, like John Moxley basically told him, like, go away and never come back or I will kill you. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> And now he's been like beaten up and it, it kind of seemed like a write off to me. Um, at least that's what it felt like watching it. Um, so here's the article. One of uh, wrestling's most interesting and unanswered stories currently is the future of William Regal. In recent days, there's been speculation that Regal is returning to WWE in some kind of backstage executive role, given his past connections to WWE's Paul Triple H Levesque. Speculation caught social media fire after Levesque tweeted a montage of Regal saying war games on Saturday during Survivor Series. Uh, At this point, Regal is believed to still be under AEW contract, but the length of the deal is the main question, which neither Regal or AEW's Tony Khan have publicly commented on. In discussing the rumors Monday, our Dave Meltzer said Regal had said he had signed a three-year deal with AEW, but that something was going on. He also said there was some off-the-record information that he was given, which he was not allowed to discuss. So later this this today, later today, um, uh, Brian Alvarez said on Wrestling Observer Live that uh, just to paraphrase what he said, uh, essentially that the people he talks to in WWE are of the belief that William Regal has a deal with Tony Khan that if Triple H came back into power, that he would be given his release to go back to work for him. Gosh, what a like prescient clause to insist on being in your contract. If that's true, William Regal's a very smart man. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it certainly felt like that could just be, that could just be it. And I could also see a situation where like Tony Khan's like, okay, yes, you can leave, but you can't go be on their television. You know, which I think Regal would probably be fine with, because like if he's going to go work in a backstage role anyway, like he probably doesn't really care about that. You know, how much uh, television time did he have before he left there? I mean, I know on NXT, the glory days, like he was Katie or not Katie, um, Kathy Kelly was always trying to get in his office to talk to him. But uh, was he still that level of on-screen presence when he took off? I don't know, to be quite honest, because I had stopped watching NXT by that point. Um, But I do know that he was... So this is just something that I thought of. 
he's probably working. He's probably he's traveling way more than he has in a long time. Mm. Right. Because of the WWE schedule or because the AEW schedule. And if he were to go back and work in NXT, he would just be able to stay in Florida, Orlando. Yeah. So it's like, I want him to be happy, but I like Regal. I do miss him flirting with Excalibur. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their relationship will have to go unconsummated. It seems like, but anyway, like most people seem to think that like Regal's on his way out. Um, Sean Ross Sapp, I believe said that he heard that Regal's deal is up in December, which would be a totally different scenario. But, uh, also a very weird one because he signed in well, I don't know what he signed, but he debuted in March. And that's a pretty that's a pretty that's a oddly length odd length for a contract. Unless he maybe signed it well, he couldn't have signed it before he left WWE, right? Like that right. would be okay. Okay. Hmm. I just I just I, I it, it makes me a little sad because well, I love William Regal, obviously. I think he's like an all time great television performer. Um, and it just makes me sad to think that he wasn't happy enough to not go. Do you know what I mean? Like that. So yeah. I, don't know. I mean, because I, I, cause I certainly was happy seeing him on TV with the Blackpool combat club every week. Maybe the travel was just like a lot, you know, maybe he like, maybe he is happy except for that aspect of it, but you can't really get around it if you're supposed to be on screen for that yeah. part. Um, but yeah, it makes me sad. Cause I, I just like seeing him with his, his boys and, uh, I don't know. I'm going to miss him if he goes. Me too. So if that's it for him, we, uh, yeah, we're, we are sad, Mr. Eagle, but thank you for, <laughs> thank you for a great few months and, uh, and the invention of, I mean, it's, it's a bummer that the Blackpool combat club is like, Pretty, I guess done. Like the Blackpool part of it is, if he's if the Blackpool part is leaving the company, you know. Yuta was pretty uh, insulted that Garcia would imply that they're having problems. Maybe he's just he's oh he's just that idealistic kid. But yeah, yeah. ugh, rough. Yeah. Rough, indeed. Hate it. Um. So yeah, that was. That was like a pretty dramatic thing that happened. Um, we pivot from that to a match with Riggy Stark versus Ari Davari. Um, it's not really a match. It's pretty squashy because before the match starts, Ethan Page and Silky Hathaway walk out and Matt Hardy is like with them. He follows close behind and then he breezes past them and tries to do his delete thing and Stokely and Ethan are like, you got to get out of here. Like, what are you doing? We're we're trying to highlight Ethan and this isn't going to work. Um, so <laughs> he goes away. But before he leaves, Ethan reminds him that the firm owns him now, because if you'll remember, they won his contract and he's going to have to help Ethan win the battle royal next week as part of his duties. So uh, after that happens, uh, Ricky Stark squashes Ari Davari and... Ethan Page looks shocked and angry at this this turn of events. He hates Ricky Starks. But kind of that's that's the takeaway. Ethan Page and Ricky Starks, they're they're fighting. 
they're not yeah. friends. <laughs> um, from there, go backstage where Tony Schiavone is talking to Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. Um, Britt is like, so I hear Sarai is getting a Sarai is getting a big sit down interview with Renee, and Jamie's like. Uh, Tony, I'm the champ, so maybe you should do a big sit-down interview with me. And uh, it's not really a suggestion because she demands it. And so I guess next week we're going to get that. Um, and Britt's like, Renee, you can talk to Soraya all you want. Like, we don't care. You go ahead. So we'll be hearing from women's champ Jamie Hayter next week. Uh, for now, though, we've got a women's match. Anna Jay versus Willow Nightingale. Love every time Willow Nightingale shows up. Um, Willow gets to win, which I actually was a little little surprised about, but she she does the doctor bomb on Anna Jay and pins her. Luckily, Anna Jay's best friend, Ty Mello, is there to help her pick her up and, and start to leave the ring. And uh, at this point, Ruby Soho's music hits. And Ruby surprises Ty by, like, coming she doesn't come down the ramp she sneaks in the ring behind her and then she just like she gets a, a couple shots in on her as revenge for breaking her nose and i guess ruby Soho's back i mean i know this is her part of town but uh, i'm assuming the implication is she's healthy enough to be back yeah i think this is uh i think this is the feud now okay people were hyped this year yeah good for willow i was thinking like this is this is the time. This is the time for Willow to get a nice like win here, and uh, and she did. So yeah, I I always enjoy seeing her on TV. So good for her. Yeah. Um, after that match, QT Marshall is talking to Orange Cassidy backstage with Tony Schiavone, and I guess um, QT has the gall and audacity to believe he he should get a title shot. Uh, so. On Friday at Rampage, Orange has agreed to a lumberjack match, and um, what a what a match that will be, I guess, for the uh, All Atlantic title. I don't know. It's it's hard to get very excited for a QT match, but here we are. After uh, it's oh. it's. It's an atrociously bad Rampage lineup this week, I have to oh, say. Oh, no. I... Darby, Darby versus uh, the the fake Sting. Uh, I can't even remember his name. Oh, Cole Carter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, the only match I'm, like, semi-intrigued by is uh, Jarrett and Lethal versus Private Party. Oh, my God. And there's that... Well, you'll get to it, but that, there's a really strange acclaimed segment on this show yep we're almost like there adver- advertising something for rampage but then like i don't think it actually is happening on rampage so we'll, yeah we'll see oh okay okay um well not on rampage uh, jade cargill she shows up she makes her entrance to the ring she's got her baddies and she's not here to fight she just uh she's just here to talk she wants us all to know that she is in charge of the baddies, so she's allowed to s- decide who is a baddie and who has to go. And last week, she fired Kira Hogan. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but that happened. Um, so she is sort of upset that uh, Layla Gray and 
Oh no, I just blanked on the other baddie. Um, um, uh, Red Velvet. Red Velvet, yes, okay. Um, why they were hanging out with Kira over the weekend, apparently. So she's like, "You guys got to get the pro- get with the program. You're either like with me or you're you're not, and I will fire you if I need to." So, <laughs> you know, keeping them in line. Um, she she's like, "You're all eating off me." The company's eating off me. This is very weird phrasing, but this is what she said. Um, And so she's just like, if, you know, I'm real, I'm in charge here. And, uh, and she says, but Lil Bow Wow, there's a joke. And I'm like, uh oh. Let me, let me, let me interrupt for a second because I just want to say, because I, I had to mute the television at this point because I was cringing so bad and I just didn't, I was, I was, I was having a lot of trouble uh, it, dealing with this. The eating? Is it like daddy eats first? Cause that's... No, no, no. It was the, it was the little bow wow uh, of it. But anyway, so I didn't see that part, but I just want to say, or I didn't hear that part. I just want to say, this was the hottest outfit she has ever worn. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, she looked insane. I mean, she always looks insane, but she looked like extra insane. Yeah, well, because it's, like, the skimpiest she's ever gotten, but she still had the money, like, the money theme. I'm like, good Mm -hmm. lord, Jade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for her. I mean, uh, the Lil Bow Wow part you missed was that he he shows up on the big screen, and he he congratulates her, and he says um, that she's going to see him really soon. And I was like, I thought that that, that in real life, on Twitter, Lil Bow Wow, like, like, tried to slide into her DMs, and she laughed it off, and this just sounds threatening and, and kind of weird, so I'm not really sure what's going on here. <laughs> like, like he was smiling and trying to make it sound cute, but it was like, you're gonna see me real soon, and to me, when a man says that, with that look on his face, it just seems threatening, so I don't know what's going on with, with Lil Bow Wow here. I, <laughs> you I hated thought, it. <laughs> I, I hated it. I so. Do you think it's leading to him? Like, is he going to introduce a new contender for her or something like that? Because I just I don't know what the point of this is otherwise. Because you can't tell me that the point is like about getting Jade Cargill mainstream attention. Because I feel like. In some ways, she might be more famous than Lil Bow Wow is in 2022. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I don't really know where Lil Bow Wow is in his career at this point. Um, obviously, I know his name, but like, is he? Is he? It sounds like he's not a star. I mean, does he currently make music? Does he do movies? Wasn't he in movies at some point? You know, much much like we did when um, I believe Shauna was on uh, was on Trina. Uh, Trina, sorry, Shauna's a different rapper. When she, when Trina was on uh, Dynamite, let's let's see where let's see where Bow Wow is these days. What's Bow Wow up to? Okay, so um, he let's see where's his discography. I'm on his Wikipedia page. Okay, he had. An album, his last album was in 2009. 
Okay, so really relevant. Super relevant. Gotcha. Yes. Now, apparently he was an F9, which we saw together. I don't recall him being an F9. <laughs> no, but wasn't he in Tokyo? Was it Tokyo Drift he was in? Too? Yes. Oh, was, was he reprising his character from Tokyo Drift? I feel like it, but he clearly aged. I mean, he would have aged. Well, they all aged, I guess, but like, I remember him he in Tokyo, Tokyo Drift. Drift. Was 2006. So, so to me, 2006 is the last time that Bow Wow was relevant. Same. <laughs> but, Same. I mean, he's done some movies since then, a few. Um, he's done a little bit of television. He was on the, he was on the, oh, there's a show on WeTV called Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta that he is like a main cast member of. So I guess, I guess that's what he's doing. Okay. That to me sounds like a reality TV show. Is it, would I be correct in that assessment? Yeah. Okay. And apparently he was in the show CSI Cyber. <laughs> that just sounds like internet sex. He, okay. Yeah, he was a series regular. It was a. It only lasted two seasons, thirty-one episodes, and I don't remember CSI Cyber. It you was. Know, it starred Patricia Arquette, James Vanderbeek, Peter McNichol. And then uh, Shad Moss, a.k.a. Uh, Bow Wow, was the, like the fourth, I guess, the fourth lead. Man, all right. I mean, CSI is one of those shows that has a lot of spinoffs, right? Like, uh, kind of like a Law and Order. You know? But I don't remember this one at all. I guess they brought in Ted Danson to try to save the show in season two. Sure. Because um, he had just come off of, like, real CSI. Yeah. Yeah. Like he did four years there. Yeah. And so he came in to see it. And I guess it wasn't enough. Ugh. Bow wow. You couldn't carry your show and even dancing couldn't save it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I I do not think I've ever even heard of the show. CSI Cyber. I feel like you would have remembered because it's so cringy of a name. Yeah. CSI, like, if I if I were to, like, go, like, start watching that show from the beginning, do you think I'd get anything out of it? I don't know, because honestly, hasn't that show, much like Law & Order, hasn't it been running for 20 years at this point? Like, I remember CSI being a show when I was in college, if not high school. It ran for 15 seasons. It's been off the air since... Uh... For like seven years now, but yeah, it started and it started October sixth, two thousand. Okay, yeah, that that show has been around a while, so I don't know, I don't know if you'd get anything from it. It would probably be an interesting sort of time capsule of the early two thousands. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I've never, I've never watched it, but it's got a, you know, there's a lot of like great actors and actresses who've been on that show, so. Yeah, again, like Law and Order, I feel like it's a place where people show up to do when they're early in their career and they do like a a bit part. And then later you're like, whoa, this person was on CSI for one episode. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's like the um, it's it, it is one of those things where like I felt this way about like the cast of NCIS, like the non Mark Harmon cast of NCIS, like when I would when I would see somebody was going to be in something else, like a movie or something, I'd be like, I don't know who that person is. And then you look them up and it's like, Oh, they were a regular 
main cast member of NCIS for eight seasons. And then you realize like, oh, to a certain segment of Americans, they are one of the most popular. They're one of the most famous people in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have no way, which I guess just speaks to like how the monoculture doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're no longer limited really in any way. There's so many options. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, if you go back and start watching CSI, I'd definitely be curious about your takeaways. I feel like I may have watched a season of that show. Okay. So it strikes me as like similar to Bones, if I'm going to be, if I had to compare. Apparently it's on Hulu and uh, Paramount Plus, both of which I have access to. So of course, streaming all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Well, bow wow. (laughs) You know. I'm too busy watching. I'm too busy rewatching Caroline in the City, though. So. Okay. How many episodes of that show are there, really, Andy? There's four. There were four full seasons. Okay. It's like it's like back in the those days, it was like you know about 88 episodes. Okay. Interesting. See, yes. We all have our things, but Bow Wow. Uh, that answers my question. Like you said, to me personally, not relevant since 2006. To other people, hey, maybe relevant as late as CSI Cyber. Um, but I am, I'm not really sure what Jade's gonna do with him. Like, we'll see. After that, we get the weird acclaimed segment that you were uh, referring to earlier. Um, Billy Gunn. The acclaimed dad is interrogating them as if he's a drill sergeant and they're answering as if they are drill sergeant T's or army people. I don't know. I don't know what the rules mm-hmm. are, but they're answering him. And so Anthony Bowens is like, we're going to give a title shot to the best tag team in AEW. And Billy Gunn's like, what are you talking about? That's you guys. And so they're like, I mean, the second best tag team. And he's like, sounds good. Now it's time. We do our thing. And then they do the, the scissor, scissor me daddy ass. So um, that was the thing that happened. <laughs> but they're not doing it. Oh, they're not. They're, so, not, they're not wrestling on the show. <laughs> d- did it? Is this a thing where they, they said on, this they and just, then it got pushed? No, they said it. And then later on, there was a graphic that says, like, we'll hear from the acclaimed on Rampage. Oh. Okay. AEW has like weird quality control issues sometimes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Although with the way you sold Rampage for this week, uh, maybe it's better they don't do it on this episode because it sounds like it's going to be a real bummer. So maybe they'll yeah, just maybe. wait. But they are the yeah. tag team champs, so they have to defend at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, we get to our main event, which is the third match in the the best of seven series with between Death Triangle and the Elite. Um, and man, like these boys sure put on a show. It's almost like it's a pay per view, except it's just a regular old dynamite. But they are going for it, and it is cool. I don't know. It's hard to like break this down because it's just to me, it's just like. Wow, they did cool stuff for 20 minutes. Yeah, the the way that they like try to differentiate this one was they did a lot of like outside the ring brawling before yeah. the match started. It's you know they're doing 
they are trying to make the matches all feel somewhat different. Yes, and Pac has his uh, nose mask back on, which um, seemed to be kind of a factor in this match. Uh, and, you know, the the way of the hammer keeps coming up because I believe Pac gives a hammer, or no, Abrahantis gives a hammer to Penta, and Ray Phoenix uh, protests yes. that at one point, but that's, you know... The hammer is floating around for the rest of the match. Um, so they're not giving that up. But the Elite finally get their win this time. So it's it's one to two with the Elite, you know, trailing behind. But um, it was important they get this win because if the Lucha Bros, or sorry, Death Triangle got the win, they'd be basically one match, one win away from not needing the rest of the matches. So, of course, the Elite are finally starting to make progress. I'm glad that I'm glad that the Elite won this because if the Death Triangle had won, had gone three nothing, it would take all the drama out of the next three matches. Yeah. Because, you know, match seven is scheduled for Los Angeles for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, plus like why would you announce yeah. a, a seven a potential seven match series and then just be like And then like, oh and by the way, if it makes it if it makes it to match seven, it's in the Young Bucks hometown, basically. Yeah. 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 So it's it is like I think this was the right thing to do because now somewhere along the way until well basically until the Death Triangle win again, you're always gonna think that they oh this they could they could get their third win here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was smart. I thought this was the like obviously it was a good match because these two teams cannot have a bad match. But this was the I think this was the weakest of the three so far. I you know I was thinking while I was watching I was like what is Andy gonna say about the kind of the state of this match because it's so funny when it's like you have like this situation where it's two super good teams and they're obviously not gonna put on a bad show but you still have to like kind of rank them and it's like well. This was the weakest of the three, but like, also it was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, though I did think I'm surprised going in. I, I didn't think I would think this, but I think coming coming away from it that Dax versus Brian was the best match of the night for me. I don't know about how you feel, but. Uh yeah, I think that one was definitely up there, and yeah, realistically, because it was. I don't know. It's a a match with two super talented people in it, and there were no shenanigans, which I appreciate. No chaos. It didn't devolve into, like, a brawl. It was good. Yeah. And to be quite honest, as much as they do try to differentiate this, the the reality is they are having seven matches in a really condensed period of time, which is going to make it... It's just going to make it hard. Yes. Although this was the first neutral crowd, as far as, like, there was no F... Any any one particular side on this show. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna say anything about the way they healed it up in Chicago last week? Um, I will just repeat what you you texted me to ask me about it, but I think that um <laughs> I thought it was like super immature and like if you just wanna get past this, this is not the way to do it. Um but at the same time if a crowd's saying like fuck you uh, I can't blame them for being like, 
messing with them. You know, like it doesn't bother me necessarily, but it's like, well, this is never going to go away. Um, and I think part of that is because I did read because I Googled the news when there's a drama and apparently Kenny had uh, done an interview with like Sports Illustrated or something where he said, oh, there's stuff I can't talk about and we should just let this go. And then um, and then this happened and it's like, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's true. But, uh, you know, the other part of that is. Maybe it's maybe at this point it's all a work. Like certainly didn't start out that way, but maybe at this point they've all agreed like, okay, like let's, let's set, let's set company records here in the, here in this, you know, in the winter and spring. Yeah. I just, I don't want to reward the bad behavior. Discovery. Yeah. I just, ugh. I hate, but, okay, I hate yes, it. Yes. You're right. You're right. But here, here's, here's my argument for it. And, uh, isn't it better than everyone like walking away bitter than if they can like actually work together and you can get something good to come out of this horrible situation. And, you know, and, and at the end of it, like maybe they're not friends, but at least they've proven that like we can work together. Oh, objectively, 100%. Me, a grudge holder who hates this is like, no, somebody must be punished. (laughs) Right. Like if you're, if you're Matt Jackson, who by all accounts, got like swung on the second he walked through that door. Yep. You're probably like, there's a good chance he's thinking like, no, never. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yes. I was thinking about it and I, I hate that this is me, but it is me, but I could see being like so bitter that like, even if big money presented itself, I'd be like, you know what? Just to fuck you over. I'm going to say no, because I won't get the money, but neither will you. And, um, you know, that's the dark side of me, but I for sure could see doing that because I uh, I hold a grudge. And so I'd be like, sorry, punk, you punched me in the face and now you're going to lose so much money and I'm going to lose money, but so are you. And uh, that's where I live my life in the um, petty corner of the universe over here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have no idea, like, any, any, any outcome would not surprise me at this point. Like, so are so you're not, so I guess, does that mean you're still in like, are you still thinking any, any way could be possible or are you leaning more towards like, this is an indication that, that that probably all work together. Like, do you, where are you on your opinion scale here? My opinion scale is, is based on like thinking about this as a normal, rational person and not a professional wrestler. So my thinking is you don't call attention to it. You don't put like pour salt in the wound. You don't make it worse the way they did in Chicago last week, unless you've all agreed that there's going to be something coming out of this, but they are pro wrestlers (laughs) and maybe they are just, they did just, but I just, it's just like, what if you're Tony Khan, why would you why would you approve that? Why would you let that happen on your TV show? Well, maybe he didn't approve it and maybe it just did happen. Like, what's he going to do? Stop the match midway through to be like, you guys can't do that. I mean, I, I, I they wouldn't have been out there this week if you know what I mean. Like if, if it's me, because 
I mean, and maybe that's it, it, who knows. Like, if that's what happened, then he's like, <laughs> then he's completely lost control of the locker room. I don't. I mean, I don't think that it's an impossibility that that's happened. I I hope it's not what happened, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it, just watched like his face when Punk goes off on that in the press thing and just like it's like he freezes like fight fight or freeze he just stares straight ahead and hopes it ends soon you know and it's like that's uh that's not the best reaction from like somebody who runs the company owns the company but it was his reaction so but you're right i thought i immediately thought like legally are you breaking some sort of nda or like part of your settlement or whatever's going on in the background clause or something yeah like is this going to mess things up um because they are professional wrestlers and they i don't know respond to the crowd in the heat of the moment i i don't know so that's (laughs) that's our show for this week (laughs) i'm i i'm I'm exhausted talking about this topic at this point. Brawl out? Yeah. Yeah. Brawl <laughs> out TM. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I will say this. When they were doing it last week, I thought it was entertaining. I was very, I was very entertained by it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's like in the moment, it's hilarious. In hindsight, I say, wow, what a childish, trolly move that is. And, like, don't we have enough of that going on in the world that, like, like, like I'm almost exhausted with that reaction at this point. Um, but it, realistically, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just, like, I'm being entertained by the Bucks again. Um I'm going to live in that. And then if CM Punk comes back, I'm going to be sad that like uh, someone I once was a very big fan of has like done enough to make like basically tarnish his image with me forever. And I never would have pictured like 2012 me never would have thought I'm going to hate that CM Punk guy in 2022. (laughs) He's going to do something that like fully makes me think he's an asshole uh, beyond what he's already doing. Um, So I, I don't know. It's a wild time we live in. <sighs> a wild time indeed. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, same time for uh, next week's show. I don't remember where it's coming from. But uh, but then, Either. in two weeks, Garland, Texas, winter is coming. Justin Shapiro will join us. Uh, and uh, can't wait to hang out with him and, and all that fun stuff. But uh, until then... For Megan, I'm Andy, and you've been listening to The Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.